a musical adventure. New artists, new musicians, and everyone involved in the world of music. Live from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is J-Rod Concerts the Podcast with your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Let's find out what we have this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. We're here for the 38th Songwriters Festival. Day one, it's a rainy day outside. Luckily, the headliners kind of start tomorrow, but we have some great interviews today, guys, and we're so thrilled that we are starting off with the great Katie Tunstall. I mean, this job sometimes surprises me, guys. We've talked to everybody, but some artists, they just have a special place in my heart. Katie, you know, she hit it big in the mid-2000s. I was coming out of college. I remember listening to Suddenly I See and Black Horse and the Cherry Tree. Those songs were all over American Idol, The Devil Wears Prada, Ugly Betty, um, Grace Anatomy. They were just everywhere. Um, and so it's always it's always uh, humbling to be able to talk to these artists. And it's, uh, it's always uh, a delight to be here at 38 Songwriters Festival. So we hope you enjoyed the chat with Katie. She's going to perform an incredible song for you guys at the end, so make sure you stick around. Um, she released a great album last year with Susie Quattro called Face to Face. Check it out. And I will bring you more from 38 in the coming days. But for now, this is the great Katie Tunstall on J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. That's some reverb in here. <laughs> Thank you so much. First of all, Katie, I mean, I was looking at your itinerary. You have Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Then you're going to Mexico. You got Cayamo. I mean, gosh. And London. I'm going to London in between all of these things. I am. Not for gigs, actually, but because I've started writing for musical theater. Right. Um, and so I'm actually writing the music for Clueless, the musical. So setting that up in London, it's a bit of a bit of a job pivot but honestly this is this is like a soft start to the year <laughs> yeah I mean you know when you I don't know what it's like for for new artists now because it's so different out there but certainly when I started you would be doing five different countries in a week just like pushing as hard as possible so while I'm trying to not kind of push that hard anymore um, it's very exciting. It's a beautiful way to start the year, seeing a bunch of faces in different places. Has it been fun writing for It's been wild, Jamie. It's really different. It's um, it's a completely different skill set because, so first of all, particularly as a solo artist, you're I've realized that like rock music is like a benign dictatorship if you're lucky. <laughs> it's like. You do this, you do that, don't play that, bad snare. Um, and it really is this really beautiful, very collaborative, delegated experience of getting a show together. And I'm sort of sitting there and the director is going to the actor, how do you feel about singing that line? I'm like, what? They're asking how they feel? <laughs> Which is awesome. And it, it, it's how, you know, it's respecting how that person really embodies the character. and. And, and the one thing that I've learned is that you write the music and then you have this master document. Whereas in my world, very little gets written down. Sure. 
in, in my immediate service. Maybe some of my musicians might make notes, but they're not on stage once, you know, you're playing the gig and then it can shift and change and, you know, songs change. But with a musical, the idea is that you get this master document and that can go to any company anywhere on the globe and they can put the show on. But you kind of have to let go because they're going to do their version of it. Wow. It's never going to be exactly right. how you imagined it. So it's a bit of a process of letting go, which is really good, actually, for good me. For it's been very good for me. <laughs> I've realized I'm a total control freak. I, I need that. Can't wait <laughs> to see how it goes. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, um, we're really uh, paying homage to that 90s soundtrack from the movie. So we've kind of really looked at those production styles that make you feel like you're listening to a mixtape from the 90s. Right. So each song is kind of paying homage to a, a big, you know, an NSYNC hit or a, you know, Sixpence None the Richer or, right. you know, one of these bands or like Salt and Pepper. And it's just been so fun. So good. Yeah. Okay. By the way, last night I was with uh, John Oates. Oh, I was just on the phone to John. There we go. Yeah. He was raving about you and he, you know, he just told, he told me a great story, actually. Um, he said that, you know, right before the pandemic, right? I'm talking weeks before the pandemic. Like a couple of weeks couple before the shop nine, yeah. Related to do like this big tour. And you guys only got to play one show. Yeah. But he said that there was magic in that show. He said he didn't understand why it was at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But that it was like, it was almost too good to be true. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. So we were we were talking this morning um, and we were reminiscing about that show and also about the fact that about 45 seconds into my first song, all my power went on stage completely solo in front of 20,000 people at Madison Square Gardens. But my mic was still working. It was so bizarre. So all my guitars, all my pedals, everything went and I'm just there with my pants down in front of 20,000 people going, oh my God, this was meant to be like, you know, ticking the box yeah. of one of the most important uh, gigs of my life. Because the other thing is, because I was opening for Hollow Notes, it's, it's really unusual to be playing completely solo mm -hmm. on that stage. I, I can't imagine tons of people have done that. Right. It's usually a band yeah. or, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, I don't, And I was thinking maybe I should try and sing a song a cappella, but I couldn't think on my feet fast enough which one would sound great with no music. Right. And uh, meanwhile, my tech is like madly trying to, and it turned out they hadn't plugged in something from the sound desk, it had come loose, mm -hmm. but it took a couple of minutes. And in the end, I just said, I just let go. And I was just like, do you know what Madison Square Gardens? If 15-year-old me could see me now and watch all my gear fucking up. She would be so happy it was at Madison Square Gardens. Like, to, to imagine that you're even given the opportunity yeah. to be on that stage. And then what I was saying to John this morning was, it was a really profound moment for me because nothing is ever going to be that nerve-wracking ever again. Nothing will be all of your shit going wrong on stage solo at Madison Square Gardens. So now, if anything goes wrong, I'm like, it's not, it's not MSG. <laughs> so it was really cool. But I mean, I was sewing once I came off stage, I was all the adrenaline of that. Um, but my really good friend, Pete Souza, the photographer who was Barack Obama's photographer in the White House for a long time, humble brag, 
a good friend of mine, but he was there and he took this shot of me from behind. Um, once I got going again and my hair is flying and my guitar is up here. And I was like, I'm so glad he got that photograph because that was, that was the high spectrum of, of a really challenging situation. Yeah. It was a really, and John was there. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. By the way, Katie, um, this was Equa Trouble. We've enjoyed the heck out of it. Thank you. We were enjoying the heck out of it. But let me ask you if you don't mind about 2005. Yeah, sure. I remember. I mean, I was, yeah. I was like, you know, in college or something. When that whole thing happened, because it seems like he was like so quick. Yeah, months. it was. It was, yeah. When, uh, you know, suddenly I see what's in The Devil Wears Prada. And I think he was on Grey's Anatomy and Ugly Betty and a whole bunch of things. Tell me a little bit about like what your mindset was. Because, like, yeah. Because it, it, that was like, oh my God. It was, oh my God. It was, oh my yeah, God. it was properly, oh my God. What's it? Like for you. Um, it's, it's strange when I think back to that time because I, I, I still can't quite get a handle on it. It still seems like a very mysterious uh, sliding doors pivot in my life because I actually didn't get my record deal until I was 29. Mm. I was much older than people thought I was because I had chubby cheeks. <laughs> and um, I'd gone on the Jules Holland show sure. in the UK, which is a kind of like a letterman, but just music. It's just all music. And um, that had been the kind of big, being fired out of a human cannon in the UK. And it, overnight, like, people got excited. And then the guys from the Today Show saw that performance and got me on the show pretty soon. And then... That was Black Horse and the Cherry Tree. And then it was this kind of domino effect where suddenly I see was then on Devil Wears Prada, Catherine McPhee sang Black Horse on the final of American Idol and the tune went into iTunes chart. And of course, this was at the very birth of YouTube. This was the beginning of people kind of using YouTube. And so it was maybe an early viral video, you know, but it was also this looping where I never imagined people seeing what I did would be as important as the song itself. And so they loved seeing not just a looper, but they loved seeing a girl with like gear. Sure. And do and a lot of people hadn't seen looping at that point where you put the beat in and stuff and then you play along. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, it's just the same. It's just the same as playing to four people in a bar. It's just more people. So all I have to do is just keep my head down and just play and have fun. And I'd always, when I joined a little theater group as a kid, I remember my first performance in the theater when I was like eight years old. And uh, I thought, this is so cool that I can see people having fun because I'm having fun. So my fun is contagious to them. So if I have fun, that's all I need to do. And then they have fun. And I kind of still think that's it yeah. really is yeah. that you're, and so, which makes it difficult if you're kind of in a place where you don't want to do a gig or you don't want to play. Sure. It's like, I almost feel like you should share that and, and just be honest because that honesty of, uh, of sharing yeah. is what's really, what's really the connection, I think. You can feel that. I think you can feel that. If you watch someone who's like super depressed and they're, they're like playing happy songs and pretending to be happy, you come away just going, hmm. I'm not sure. And actually, maybe it would have been a more profound experience to see that person go, do you know what? I'm having a really tough time and I'm going to play the songs that are medicinal to me. And this is going out for anyone who's going through the same stuff. Yeah. 
so yeah it's it's but but it was wild it was um i i can't say i was entirely comfortable i never have been really with that shift it's really weird it's weird and uh yeah yeah i mean thankfully it wasn't quite as intense as it is now where it's sort of you know a window into your into your bathroom almost <laughs> like you know it's so crazy now but um um I think it was because I never really coveted being famous. Mm. That was never, it was just not needing to have another job. Sure. I just wanted to be a musician as a job. Right. Um, and I think in that way, I, I maybe would have benefited from being in a band, mm. you know, just being one of a bunch of a, of a creep. But I had my band, I had the same band for about five or six years. Right. And that helped where it was just a crew of us and we were a gang. I just, never want to be the bride <laughs> even though you're like even though i'm the person at the front it's like it's um it's a strange push and pull um but i really think that the thing the thing that is front and forward is is the songs and and i'm the vessel for the songs right. and that's the thing every tons of people can sing like singing isn't that special by the way you know you go into a classroom with 15 year old kids and quite a lot of them are going to be able to sing well right. but I think being able to write the song and then being able to honestly communicate the song is uh I, I don't need someone to be a great singer I just need them to be a great vessel yeah. for the for the song well yeah Katie I could talk to you for 17 hours <laughs> you too. So, I could talk about myself for 17 hours so, I mean I, <laughs> it's just I could I could talk to you forever and yeah a lot, a big no up. it's all good this is but, good uh, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to play you one from the new record. Um, so COVID was an interesting time with the lockdown because it just gave us all, I think, particularly touring musicians and I mean, anybody who works hard and busy, but we're away from home all the time. And so front, suddenly we find ourselves at home. And so I was able to sort of have a slight breakdown and do a lot of therapy and sort out a lot of things that had been put in the cupboard until I had time, you know, and uh, something um, a great therapist told me was about the shadow self, which is this kind of outline of your own uh, kind of feeling of yourself, but behind you, and you're kind of always trying to hide this stuff. And it's as much part of you as your face is, you know, it's just, it's who you are. And so it was all about encouraging this, to bring this forward, to be just part of you. It's not something to kind of try and hide. It's useless trying to hide it. So that's what this is called, uh, about, and this is called Dear Shadow. day that we met I saw you out of the corner of my eye I was fine you're still the thumb that I'm under you're still the thumb that I'm under oh I hid you away pushing you down we'd always lose our way between the black and the dark place go on the ground oh I'm looking for love Breeze a crowd, it always get caught between the black and the gray. But I've been lonely, keeping you back there behind me. Got this holding feeling we could make amends, but you're holding me back, holding me back. I just wanna run to your shadow. 
Walk in every shade of who I am Maybe we could start again We could start again On the wall, I was ten You were more than my feeling By my side, unwanted The sun would see I come creeping Better fear, I was strong There's no shame to have you here Where you belong Cause I've been lonely Keating you back there behind me Got this swollen feeling we could make amends, but you're holding me back, holding me back. I just want to run to your shadow. Walk in every shade of who I am. Maybe we could start again. Oh, and we could start again. So I realized I borrowed a vibe from one of my favorite songs for this song and decided to add it in. You know what I am is what I am. Are you what you are or what? What I am is what I am. Are you what you are or what? Philosophy is the talk on a cereal box. Religion is the smile on a dog. <laughs> Edie Wickham. <laughs> Well, because I've been lonely, keeping you back there behind me Got this swollen feeling, we could make amends I know it's only me and you back there behind me My soul, I feel like maybe we'll be friends Won't you holding me back, holding me back I just wanna run to your shadow Walk in every shade of who I am Maybe we could start again <laughs> Thank you. You're like, we could pack up, go back home to Nashville now. It has been done. <laughs> the deal's done. I got the record deal, everybody. Thank you so much. Pleasure to speak. Thank you so much. You have been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast. Thank you for tuning in.